May 10th, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you and all other mothers. Thank you. Or mothers-to-be, I guess, too. Yep, that's right. I didn't realize that when when we or were expecting... mothers who were. Or mothers who were, that's true. Yeah. So it was Mother's Day, and we're doing a podcast, although I have nothing to talk about. <laughs> it sounded like you had... So the reason I suggested we do a really quick podcast tonight is because it sounded like there were there was a lot of emotion you were trying to process today around Mother's Day mm-hmm. and reading a lot about people talking about Mother's Day and yeah and it sa- it felt like there was something that n- that you m- that could be you know it might be beneficial for you to talk Mother's Day is always fraught with emotion hmm and what was funny is that when I was kind of talking with you about this today and you're like, yeah, Father's Day doesn't have any of that. <laughs> <laughs> just like, well, I shouldn't Father's say that. Father's Day, eat a hamburger. I was just saying like, I certainly haven't experienced any up and down emotion like about and people telling me how to think about and reflect on Father's Day really. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's because I'm not in the, like, I don't really follow the Twitter and everything. The like Twitter. <laughs> That's yeah, what the kids clearly are you don't say, right? There's no kids on Twitter. Mm. I didn't know that. I'm sure there are. But Mostly, it's Mostly. Like 30 <laughs> to 40 year olds. 30, 40, 50, yeah. 60. Um, yeah, I mean, I just... I just pick up my phone and I read things and it just causes me to like do a lot of reflection and that is just hard sometimes and especially today I read two kind of poems or reflections about being the mom of a special needs child or a disabled child or a medically fragile child or Mm -hmm. however you whatever term people deem appropriate um and they just i don't know they resonated a bit or a lot they just it just raised a lot of questions for me around Am I being a good mother to Caden? Am I giving him what he needs? And will he ever be able to communicate to us in a way to let us know that? Mm. If we are or are not Mm -hmm. fulfilling his needs. And there's just a lot of big questions there. And all I wanted to do today really was nap and eat cinnamon buns. And so I was pretty ticked off that these (laughs) thoughts were entering my head. Mm. And I was being, and I was thinking about them. They were not cinnamon bun related. Mm -hmm. 
I would say though that so I think you do do an amazing job as a mom. But the main and I think all parents would probably say like that there's never enough time to do everything you feel like you should be doing for your kids. Mm -hmm. There's just not enough time ever. Like you're always prioritizing something. You know, we're we Mm -hmm. and I think having a special needs kid, it means you've got that much more just daily grind kind of stuff to deal with yeah and then and so i i just think it's not there's no way to do everything it's there's no way to do it in the perfect there's no perfect way to Mm -hmm. do it well and i think it's just especially stark right now in a covid19 world where we're doing it all on our own yeah which is impossible yeah like you just run out of gas at some yeah. point. Like that's so a part of it is run like out of everything. It's like I feel like we've won the day if we were managed to remember to feed the kids. <laughs> like literally, because like yeah. we often forget to yeah. give Avery a snack and oh, like he crap. melts down. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, that was an easy one to catch. <laughs> like we should have <laughs> caught that one. But like if we can manage to stay on mm-hmm. like meals and snacks and getting Caden meds and food and naps and like mm-hmm. getting that stuff right where no one has a meltdown over the day. I feel like that's a big yeah. win, but we're like still exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. If we did literally Get nothing other than that. Yeah. Then fulfill their basic needs. Yeah. But I think it's in. It's kind of true. But then beyond that too, like I think we try i think both of us try to grab every other opportunity like when there's a moment when i don't know like caden's been like caden certainly both kids are spending time with screens but yes. we're we're trying to like either i don't know i always try to like even if caden's watching something on tv or playing with his ipad i'll like lay down next to him and play with him for a little while Mm -hmm. or watch with him and talk to him about what he's seeing or Mm -hmm. what's happening and i feel like you grab him and start reading books whenever you see that he's been like by himself for a little while and you take him for a walk yeah my kid loves books he loves books he we we try to get them outside a couple of times like that you know i think i think that's the i'm i feel quite happy if we can do the like if we can keep going like this without burning out really yeah i think yeah a big a big part of my thoughts around covid-19 these days are about sustainability exactly for our family and for society mhm and how yeah how do we go on sustainably and for our family, it's definitely going to mean getting some help back mm-hmm. at some point. And so when mm-hmm. does that happen? Yeah, that's tricky. Is the big question. But I f- maybe what we're saying is sooner, maybe what you're, s- like just this discussion is mm-hmm. making evident that maybe it would be beneficial, like the incremental risk added to having a a nurse come Mm -hmm. is worth taking because right it would mean like pretty big benefits 
mm-hmm. to our energy levels or the ki- you know mm-hmm. having fresh a fresh person come and play with Caden you yeah know, and then do we have a masking policy yeah yeah we could do we could do masks I mean f- d- definitely for the the person coming in I think it's we could certainly ask that person to wear a mask mm-hmm. but then if we're asking them to wear a mask we should be too Okay, sure. If we're yeah. around them, otherwise, yeah. that's yeah, <gasps> not fair. I'll ask Caden to wear a mask. Caden doesn't go wear it. a mask. He'd go for it. But let's take this moment to recall <laughs> how both the Lynn and the Hospital for Sick Children yeah expected expected <laughs> that we could put a surgical bus over Caden's trach, yeah. and that he would not rip it off. I mean, to like, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many the things surgical wrong with that. masks there's do not go over tricks. I tried because at this at sick kids, they gave me one. It had little teddy bears on it. It yeah. was a child's mask. Like you could they find just a way hang loose. I mean, you could find a way probably to secure it. Like yeah, I was sort of some I was sort of imagining like making a little like shaping it around and like putting an elastic around it or something. But mm-hmm. Like it, the the tr- the in my view the HME is Which basically is this little like oh right, sorry. paper filter that you was well in a plastic case with a paper filter that sticks onto his trach and so it's kind of the equivalent of breathing through a scarf the paper filter kind of catches your warm Moist. air it's called a heat and moisture, moisture exchanger yeah. yeah and so it warms and moisturizes the air you breathe in so he has this all the time on his trach unless he pulls it off and throws it on the floor which he does most of the time yeah. anyways continue so i mean that is essentially doing like you just described like it's like a scarf that's like it's it is filtering like if he yeah, it is basically sneezes a or coughs that's where the air comes out and yeah. it's like you know it's not, it's certainly not, um, the poor, there, there's not even pores, there's like holes, but it, it, um, it's not like you're going to spray, like if you cough out your mouth, yeah. a, nor- a healthy person without a trach, if you cough, you're taking saliva and spitting it out. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, there's no way for him to do that. Like it no. gets ca- captured no. in the, all those droplets, I think get captured we'll get in caught there. in the HME. The problem, yeah, the Problem with Caden is when you have to suction him and take off the HME yes, and yes. suction. That's yeah. when all the spread's going to happen, and you can't have a mask for that anyways. Yeah, the suctioning is a droplet. I think all hospitals and healthcare facilities recognize when you take, when you're suctioning a trach, you're, you're kind of m- like suctioning. It just makes the sound. You can almost hear you're creating little tiny, you're taking little tiny bits of saliva and mucus from down in the trach and pulling it at high velocity through this mm-hmm. trying to get it into the catheter and yeah it could certainly like you're just causing all this turbulence aerosols. you're causing all this turbulence inside the trach and so it's very mm-hmm. easy for him to it br- as he's breathing out he's pushing droplets out i'm mm-hmm. sure yeah Anyways, the point of that, so no mask for Caden. So, yeah, I mean, there's so much wrong with yeah. <laughs> that idea. Like, whatever. Yeah, sorry, you were... I wasn't saying anything. That You were just making that point. Yeah, yeah how ridiculous that, that is. That people tried to give Caden a mask for his trach. Yeah. 
Uh, policies. Yeah. There's a policy, well, the no visitor policy in long-term care homes yeah. is a very big problem for a lot of reasons. And I follow a lot of advocates on Twitter mm-hmm. that are using the hashtag not just a visitor yeah. to explain the importance of family, unpaid family caregivers. Yeah, the role they and play. And how crucial they are. Um in long-term care homes, both for seniors and for minors mm-hmm. who are disabled and are in care homes. Yeah. And there's one mom on Twitter who hasn't seen her 14-year-old in weeks. Really? So y- they won't even let parents of 14-year-olds? Yeah. But in this particular home, I don't know yeah. where it is. Wow. Um, but they're advocating and advocating and advocating to get in there and it's like that just makes my stomach turn thinking about that and I'm very grateful that sick kids always knew that they had to allow a parent a parent with the child I mean they never considered not doing that according to their town hall that they had at the beginning of this. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how you would even deal with chil- like I mean, I c- I can see why like younger children would just go ballistic. Like if you just couldn't if they just were told they couldn't see their parents for like mm-hmm. weeks, like they would y- you wouldn't be able to yeah, to provide care. Like they them. would just be crying and like screaming and like what how could you even Mm -hmm. deal with them but then also like for Caden like when you have a very complex child it's like you (sighs) the hospital always thinks that they know how to care best yeah and it's like they do not know the intricacies of our complex child yeah. or the next yeah. family's complex child or the next family's complex child because yeah. these kids all have unbelievably rare diseases yeah. and their own very unique profiles. Yeah. And how many times am I in a hospital right here and a nurse go, oh, Caden does this or Caden didn't do this or mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just doesn't act the way people expect and you come across a problem and you don't solve it the same way you would solve it for another kid. And like when they, when they ask me to leave him ever (laughs) in any operating room, in any procedure room in any, anywhere, Mm -hmm. like I, I usually don't do it unless he's under anesthetic. Yeah. Like it's just very hard. To leave him there. And so when institutions think, they always think that they're professional and so they can provide the best care, but it's just not always true. And and unpaid family caregivers often know a lot that the professional paid givers 
pay caregivers don't know and that just the system often doesn't recognize this but that's the kids they do thank goodness yeah especially for complex kids i think yeah i think this whole thing this is one of the main takeaways i have for this whole experience is the and something we can push for is that that family caregivers need to be need to be on the same level of i don't know like rank as a <laughs> as like a healthcare worker like you have yeah. to be treated that way part of the team and not just by token and it because it's going if it like for society like that's what would be best for society not just for the family or the this patient but for society because if you have if you don't do that you're just going to end up with someone who doesn't like if someone like Hayden or another complex patient needs to go into a hospital they just won't be cared for effectively like your best care and your least expensive care is if the family can continue to care for them but with things like personal protective equipment when when we have no source of personal protective equipment mm -hmm. because quote unquote healthcare workers need it it's it becomes impossible for us to protect to be able to protect ourselves from passing something if one of us was to have it has something like covid or he was to have something like covid it's just impossible for not for all of us not to get it and then and it you know, it just, it's so obvious that that's something that. But we got our protective equipment now. I mean, thanks to. Other people. D just, yeah. But lovely people who. I saw an it. amazing graph the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, who posted it on Twitter? Andrew Boozery, I want to say his name is. Uh, that doesn't sound familiar to me. He is someone I just recently followed hmm. on Twitter. Hmm. He is, I don't know, he's some executive at UHN and like an associate associate prof at U of T. Hmm. He's a founding editor of the Harvard Public Health Review. Really? And he's also the son of a refugee to Toronto. Hmm. And so he, on his Twitter feed, he like talks about his roots a lot mm -hmm. where um, where is he from from here sorry ref he's a fought sorry say he's that again a son he's a son of, of a, ref a refugee who came here who came here right right okay okay he sorry i thought he was a refugee no he was born here mm. um into i forget one of the big apartment complexes downtown he mm talking about that anyways so he does a lot of amazing advocacy work for vulnerable populations mm -hmm. and he posted this chart this like <laughs> like this literal flow chart it looks like lines flowing mm -hmm. about where our healthcare dollars go in ontario mm -hmm. and so it starts with like a big pipe of like 92 billion dollars a year Mm -hmm. and like one third of it flows to a private arm mm -hmm. and two thirds of it flow to the public arm mm -hmm. and then each arm just gets 
like the little tendrils come out as to where it ends up. Mm-hmm. And of the public arm, the vast majority of it goes to hospitals. So you get a big, thick line. Mm-hmm. And there's this teeny, <laughs> teeny, tiny, thin line. That's home care. Yeah. It's like just nothing. Yeah. Nothing compared to the hospital budget. And what's so like seems so obvious to me is you could shift that like Mm -hmm. you could prevent so many people going into the hospital if you had more resources and home care yeah and probably save money overall but our systems just don't work like that oh there's no question i mean that that's the thing that our that i mean jeff fernie at toronto rehab has been pushing for i mean that's the obvious uh, as soon as you sit down and like look at the math, like mm-hmm. what you just said is like so true. The problem is, well, the the reason every, like I think most jurisdictions in the world are moving, trying to move patients out of hospitals into homes, like caring for more and more people, more complex people at home is because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. But our systems aren't set up to actually support that. So you have mm-hmm. someone come home after they're in the hospital and then within whatever the numbers of people who have to go back to the hospital within a week or two weeks is massive like we're not supporting people they end up in the er again and so or readmitted you know it's a with the right if we actually said okay you're leaving the hospital with you know with these needs we're Mm going to make sure the day you get home there's going to be someone you know there's gonna be extra help on that first day Mm -hmm. and someone's going to come and give you you know, if you're, you know, the example I always think about is like someone who's had a stroke and they're coming home from the hospital after a stroke, they're going to need bath benches and they're going to need grab bars everywhere and they're going to need all these things. And that like to get all that to happen, like right now, I'm just, I don't really know the numbers, but I think it's like on the order of months to get that stuff Mm -hmm. into the home. If you're trying to get it funded or trying to get an OT to prescribe it to get, like, it's not a quick yeah, it's and like right now it's not even happening at all. And who, yeah, who knows what's happening now? But th- it's like the so the risk of a fall, like this high risk time when you have someone coming home from the hospital with a serious that's just overcome a serious illness or injury or something, you know, their family mem- they've got a family member if they're lucky that's going to be their primary caregiver that's probably overwhelmed and trying to manage like take on this new role they've been thrown into managing like a whole whack of new medications and taking mm-hmm. somebody to follow up appointments and all this stuff and and getting that person up out of bed and into the bathroom and with a balance problem like the risk of a fall the risk of an infection if they've had surgery the risk of like all these things are huge risk factors mm-hmm. and we just really don't give people any tools to mm-hmm. to actually mm-hmm. i mean th- i'm i'm exaggerating i'm sure there's like a one page thing like do this don't yeah. do this kind of things that people are given but we could easily be doing much much better and in terms of saving that whatever it costs to go to the er when you have to be readmitted or, mm-hmm. or if you need to, if something goes wrong you could on the front end give people way more home care right up front and try to yeah. avoid some of those readmissions yeah not to mention caregiver burnout and the yeah not not this crazy thing we throw family members into that have to yeah deal with this i remember when we were getting ready to bring caden home from the hospital and for 
like our situation, Caden has a trach, so he gets put in this special pathway to mm-hmm. come home with a trach, which has like quite a lot of structure around it. Mm-hmm and training and whatnot that lasted weeks mm-hmm. so they were trying to make sure we were set up with the very minimal supports <laughs> that we get mm-hmm. before we came home and i remember like in our training the rts mentioned a couple times like yeah adults don't get any of this like if you're mm-hmm. an adult going home with a trach they just like send you your ventilator and like someone just comes to help you set it up the first time and like that's your like you're on your own. That's your hour of training that you get or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas we had like weeks to yeah. get used to it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's bizarre. Hmm. Especially when you look at those lines, man. Like The lines? The lines of the funding. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. T- like... It's so tiny. It's well, so tiny, the I home mean, care funding. I mean, it's because it wasn't actually in the original. Mm-hmm. What's who, who started health care? Tommy Douglas, right? Like, Tommy Douglas's bill, like, is like a mm-hmm. thing that just, it didn't, at the time, home, there was no home care. Yeah. And they didn't. Yeah. And yeah. so they funded. I get it. Yeah. I'm just I mean, saying. So they've got, it's, it's been now. added in pieces, bits and pieces, but never really, <laughs> like, at the level it needed to be. Okay, well, that was a fun meandering conversation. It was. Are we done? Anything else you want to say? Mother's Day? Happy Mother's Day (laughs) to all the mothers out there. Uh, No, I think. I think we're good. I don't have a joke. I prepared nothing. Sorry. That's fine. I mean, this was, I wasn't sure if we were going to do this tonight, so that's great. All right. Good night. Good night.